0: Podcasters, welcome back. This episode, I gotta tell you, I'm personally excited about. It's been a long time coming and we are talking about mental health. We sit with my now friend, Al Andrews, the Founder and Executive Director of Porter's Call. Al gives us some great take-home advice on how to stay grounded and manage the jungle gym of chaos of our lives in the music industry. Al, welcome aboard. Hey, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the invitation. And I think an easy way to start off, because I could read it, but uh, I was doing my research and I love how you came up with the name Porter's Call. So you want to give us a little background on that? Sure. Uh, My wife actually found the name.
1: She was reading this, so I would say it's a 1,500-year-old document called The Rules of St. Benedict. It it was um, from the early monasteries, about 500 AD. And these fellows got together and created one of the first monasteries and they wrote rules about how they were going to live together in this place. And they were like, we're going to eat at this time of day. We're going to pray this many times a day. We're going to pool our resources. We're going to help the poor. And each one was a different rule. And I think it's rule number 66 says, inside the gates of the monastery, we're uh, we're going to place a porter and a porter is in charge of hospitality. And so when a sojourner knocks on the door, he calls out, the porter's call, welcome. And then he uh, opens the door and helps them find the way to what they need. If they need food, he feeds them. If they need um, a place to sleep, he gives them a place to sleep. If they need practical help, he will give that. And it even says, if he needs Uh, He or she needs wise counsel. He offers that. Um, And then he helps them find their way to what they need. And so we thought that what would be good is to not call ourselves therapists, but to call ourselves porter. And when an artist knocks on our door, we help them find the way to what they need. We welcome them in and give them the help they need. So that's where the name came from.
0: I just love that image. I I love the whole thought behind it and and what Thank you guys you. do. And let's now let's back up just a hair. People might want to know a little bit about you. Obviously, you're a therapist and have done that for years, but what what led you to start Porter's Call and into this side of of your career? You know, it was really
1: interesting. It it happened very naturally. I moved to town with my family in 97 and started a private practice in Nashville and over time the practice grew and after about a year I looked at my clientele and it was 90% music related and I want to say because everybody's nuts. True (laughs) true I'll I'll agree but I would say that about myself too so it's not a put down but but I, I looked at that and I thought well is this just Nashville, or is this the way it's worked out? And what happened was probably the first few people I saw in my um, as my clients were in the music industry, and uh, the industry has um, a network, and people refer through that network, and so it just kind of grew like that. And there was one time when I, when I looked at my clientele, it was like, okay, I have uh, a label leader have a couple of managers, I had some backup singers, a drummer, uh, a band, a couple of artists. And I was going, wow, that's interesting. And I just kind of kept watching it for a while. And then the more and more artists that I began to see, the more themes that I saw developing. And one of the themes was uh, an artist never can come regularly um because when i when I went to counseling, I would go Tuesdays at eleven o'clock until I was kind of done but i've I've never met an artist that could come every week Tuesday at eleven o'clock that's the schedule and the travel doesn't work that way and Another thing I saw that artists, particularly early on in their career, could not afford me um could not afford the fees for counseling and i couldn't keep you know lowering all of my rates for artists, but but that was an issue. and But also I saw themes developing in um, just the particular vocation that they're in. So I saw the struggle between um, too much money or not enough money. And mm-hmm. then I saw the struggle between too much fame and not enough fame. And I'm not sure which of those are more difficult, frankly. But I also saw that struggle of what, is it, um, what does it mean to deal with the fact that the world knows me, if I'm an artist, as that person that's on stage doing their best. And their best self and their best thing. And they're putting on a show. Um, and that's what people think about them. They They know them. They feel like, the public feels like they know an artist, but the artist knows that they're different than that, Um, that their life is complicated or they're they're struggling in their marriage or whatever. And sometimes for an artist, I believe it's difficult to decide which one of those they are and they wanna be because it's just a strange thing. And so I think with that, I thought, you know, I wonder if something different can happen with artists because I didn't feel like my private practice was doing all that much to help.
0: It's a fantastic mission, by the way, and one one I've I've been, as I mentioned in the intro, just really a big believer in because I've been 30 years in the business and what typically happens is my artists get the, this critical mass and then I need to escort them because they need help. Like they're yep. desperate. So let's back up a little bit. You mentioned, um, you know, the challenges of your clientele. What what are some of the the consistent challenges you see from like a, a new artist? If you're talking to me, like I'm an artist, I'm thinking about getting in the music industry or I'm young in my career. What are some things you see that, that I need to be cognizant of? And, and what would lead me to maybe... Maybe you can speak to the fact that when do they need to start this therapy or when should they be open to seeking this help?
1: You know, if I were talking to a young artist who was just getting started, I'd say, um, one, um, it, it is important to know your story. It is, and it's, it's important to know your story, the story of your life, the ups and downs, because that story is going to follow you. And if there are things that you need to deal with, the spotlight or the public pressures are going to raise up issues that you're going to have to deal with. So why don't we get ahead of the game and let's take a look at your life or get somebody to take a look at your life with you so that you can know some of your uh, weak links. I think that's a really important thing to know, because if I can talk to a young artist and if they're honest at all, I can say, um, tell me the area that you're going to struggle with. And they already know it at some level because they know their secrets. And and even if you're not willing to tell me, um, talk to somebody about it, because that's going to just get bigger and bigger and that's going to be where you're going to. I have your first crash. Um, it's going to be with that struggle. So let's look at things as early as we can. And you don't have to be dramatic about it. We don't have to go after something horrible. Let's just look at your life and see if we can get a little bit of a handle on what you might need to look at as the pressures get heavier and heavier. That would be where I'd start.
0: I like that uh, honesty part. Uh, I don't know if we've shared in our conversations off camera but I'm in recovery uh, and I have been for four years so we talk about (laughs) rigorous honesty a lot. Do you find that I would find, I would think it would, the challenge would be to have an artist be rigorously on. I think they can be honest, but are you honest with yourself? Are you really looking at where those weaknesses... I had a, uh, uh, a writer, um, I don't mind mentioning his name, Bobby Pinson, who I worked with for years. And he said one of the most profound things I'd ever heard. He said he was always self-deprecating. And I asked him a question about that one time. I was like, well, Bob, why, why are you so self-deprecating on stage and in person? And he's like, he's like, look, look man. I figure if you put all your weaknesses out there, all you got left are your strengths. And I thought that was one of the most profound statements ever. I'm going to use always, that. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I credit it. But it came from Bobby yeah. and He's a brilliant man. But I find that we're, we struggle as humans to, to lead with our weaknesses. Do you see that in the artists? Like they, they try to hide those weaknesses and that becomes a problem? Well, absolutely.
1: It's kind of true for everybody. But I think it's heightened when you're in the public eye. Because we all have to try to hide for a long time until we're exposed. <laughs> you know, but but I think in people are in the public eye and and the and the more you're in the public eye and the more you're on stage, the more I think you're just taught that you're gonna present your best self um, and and presenting something other than that is is seen as liability. I disagree with that. but um, but I think just our culture, says, um, let's just present our best self and everybody will really like that. And so I think it's just built in, um, whether it's the PR machine or whatever, like we're going to present the best self and we're going to do that and we're going to keep this over to the side. I think that's changing. I look at the difference between when I started and now, which would be about 21 years ago. And back then, people would kind of sneak in my office and like with a bag over the head or something. Didn't want people to know. Um, We couldn't get people to give quotes of recommendation or anything like that. But now people are on stage saying, hey, I got a porter's call. And, (laughs) And it's different. So I hope the culture is changing. But I think the pressure, no matter what, is to present your best self and your weaknesses should not show.
0: I think often, and and it's humans, not just artists, but our songwriters or or creatives, but we all think we're unique, right? And we're unique, but when it comes to the human struggle and you share these things, especially if you've been in rooms and you've been in group settings where you're sharing and you find out how many other people think the same crazy crap you do and have gone through the same thing and you're like, Oh my people! I'm not as I broken as I thought. <laughs> well, you know the the wild
1: thing is the very thing we fear is the thing we need. You know we fear vulnerability and we feel fear being honest because we think people will run from us, and some people may, but you don't want to be their friends anyway if they do. <laughs> but <laughs> but for those but for those who don't, and they say, yeah, me too. There's just a huge relief. Like I'm not alone here and I have people that will be with me um, when I um, run into the wall.
0: there's some things um in my life i I, i've given like some experiences uh uh that i share with my writers when they're i can see them struggling you know one of the most obvious things is drugs and alcohol right we we know that a lot of people lean into that there's other things there's food there's sex whatever that is but i tell them well look man when you can tell they're starting to open up and if they're opening up to me that means they're struggling with it right and then i always say if more than two people tell you you have a problem with something you may need to pay attention. What are some red flags that you can share that you see? Like if for an artist, like if you're seeing something consistent in your life, this is where you might, might need to start paying attention and maybe get some help. What do you, Can you share some of the red flags?
1: One of the first things I think of is the fact that a person begins to isolate. And that's a big red flag. They'll pull back from good relationships with friends, they'll, they'll see them left off less, less often, they'll also not return calls as quickly, and they'll be a little bit elusive. To me, that's one of the first red flags because you don't want to be seen, and therefore, you pull away from people. Um, and I think the second is when somebody's just acting differently than they used to act. And there's, there's something is just off. And you can tell that if you've been a friend with somebody that they're just acting differently. Those are the first two things that come to my mind. And generally, um, something a little more specific will just show itself. You know, the, the person who's drinking too much, well, they just can't hide it that long and they'll slip up and show somebody. So, those are the first three things I think of, but I bet you could add something to that list.
0: I, you, the isolate, you nailed it. I, you pretty much named me. This is what I do I start getting quiet, start isolating, start kind of uh, pulling back. I have a another a question, like, cause uh, again, a lot of our listeners are also professionals like me that work in publishing or mm-hmm. labels or AR what are some things or some advice you can give us, uh, on how to approach somebody that we see in the struggle that maybe there's a way to get to them that, that can open that door for of communication. If you see them, because so, like you said, a lot of times they isolate, they're going to be sensitive to it. Is there some ways we can communicate in a loving way that, that comes off non offensive? Sometimes I can be a bull in a China shop and just say, listen, <laughs> but that's not always the best way to do it. I'm not talking intervention style. Like, Can you give us some advice on how to work with a creative that might be struggling?
1: Wow. Well, one of the first things I think of is um, is kind of pulling back a little bit and, and working on creating an atmosphere where it's okay to talk. You know, um, and not everybody can do that, but I think that's the first place because if the atmosphere is you got to be good, you got to keep going, then you got some work to do before you start talking to somebody, frankly, because the atmosphere is... If you come out with something, we're not going to leave you. If 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 that's the atmosphere, then there's a good chance that they'll talk. I think the second thing is personal vulnerability. Um, if you're not vul- a vulnerable person yourself, and I don't mean by that, I don't mean spilling your guts all the time. But you you can you can smell vul- vulnerability. It's hard for me to say the word. You can smell <laughs> vulnerability uh, a mile away. You can. And, and you can smell the opposite too. So be a vulnerable person yourself, but also um, I think sometimes you, you can just ask a general question like, are you okay? <laughs> and and they're not gonna tell you that they are, that, that they're not okay, <laughs> but at least you can open the door. Cause if they go, well, why would you say that? You can say, well, you've been acting a little differently and, you know, people lie yeah. but at least you they they know that you see and that might scare them a little bit but it it just helps to just kind of to say what you're thinking and you don't have to say i think you're addicted but you go you seem different than yourself just kind of state the obvious and maybe not even with a question
0: yeah i've i've experienced this a few times uh, walked to many people into some healthy rooms of recovery so It's a tough one. But like you said, usually it starts off with you good. If you show that you love them, they, they, and these relationships, because I read a lot of biographies. I'm a big rock and roll guy. And, you know, you read these biographies and they say, well, the machine just kept pushing us. And I'm always like, no, listen, man, I know for every artist I've ever worked with, at least three or four people tried to assist along this journey until you just hit wherever you had to go. We all have a bottom, you know, like I've learned to, you're never gonna force them to 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 do something they don't wanna do, but you can just be there when they're ready to fall and yeah. help them find that softer, well, you know, softer I landing. One,
1: I think one other thing that I was thinking of as you're talking, there was a there's a quote that I hear often, but and you know how good quotes are people are attributed to about 10 different people, Socrates, Aristotle, whatever. Yes.
0: Yeah. Nietzsche, <laughs> but, whoever, yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's funny. But I found one, I found the original guy as an old Scottish preacher in the 1800s But but he said something that really does inform a lot of what we do, and that is, he said, be kind to everyone you meet, because everyone is fighting a great battle. And I believe that I don't I don't believe that anybody is not fighting a great battle. Everyone is at some level. And just to know that um, yourself or or for anybody. Um, It just helps as you interact with people, just knowing, just like, I don't have to ask if they're fighting a Great Battle. I know they are. And what does it mean to lean in beside them and lock arms in a a battle
0: that we're all fighting at different levels? I I want to touch a little bit. You sent me a great uh, document. It's called The Way of the Artist that you sent to me. Um, I mean, there's way too many topics to really go through them all. But I, I, this is some, some principles to live by that, that send. And if you actually want to share it, I'm sure we can put a link to this document if you're open to that on our when we uh, post this podcast, because this is really great. But there are a couple of them I wanted to touch on because I'm curious. Sure. You say create Central Park. You know I mean, I <laughs> should add, there's like know the why, be wary of fame, be known by someone. Some of those make sense to me, but uh, create Central Park. Can you explain that one for me? I'm not sure what that means. I figured that'd get you. No.
1: <laughs> no one. It got me. Um, so these, these things that I wrote down, it, it's like somebody asked me one time to come and speak on, what would you tell a young artist? And so I started thinking of things over the years that I've seen, and I just wrote these down. So the one you're talking about, Create Central Park, it came to me one day when my family and I, when our sons were younger, we went to New York City. And I've been there before, but... Uh, with with kids, it was different. And we went to Central Park because everybody goes to Central Park. And then I started looking on the map. And, <laughs> and when you look on the map, it is huge. You think, what real estate? And I'm sure everybody wants to buy it to put <laughs> condos on it. But I did some research and I found out that 100 years ago, they came up with the idea, or more than that, of Central Park. And they realized as as the city was growing, that it needed some some thoughtful people and forward-thinking people realized they needed to protect a space that was green and beautiful. And that was years, just years ago before it got so big, but it was getting big fast. And so they created this thing out of nothing and built lakes and trees. And, and it's beautiful and it's full of people And I started thinking, what would New York City be like without Central Park? And the answer would be, it would implode. It would explode. It would not survive, I don't believe, because there's no place for people to breathe. And I realized that sometimes as artists get going on their career, everybody's telling them, you gotta do this, you gotta do this, and they tell themselves, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. It's never finished and they don't leave any space to breathe. And so I'll say, you know, you're like Central Park. You're like New York City without Central Park. And and you need to create some space. If there's some buildings that have built up over that beautiful land, you might need to tear a few down so that you have some space. So basically it's a way of saying, you got to create space in this life of yours so you can breathe, so you can be around people so that you can think about your heart and soul and family and friends and God or whatever you need to think about, but make some space so that you can keep living.
0: The AIMP National Pubcast is hosted by yours truly, Tim Hunzey, Executive Producer, Travis Myatt, Producer, Brandon Harrington, Mixing and editing by Casey Porter. And this has been a Dime Collective production.